Okay, well, hey, you know, it's New Year's, so that's cool. We can talk about New Year's and, and goals and all that. It's a good time to do a sermon. And she said, okay, you have to mention Moses because all of her kids are going to be learning about Moses. So if you're in kids' church, uh, that's what's coming. And I was like, Janet, are you kidding me? Moses is like the coolest guy in the Old Testament. He's in four books of the OT, right? He's done all sorts of cool things. What better guy to talk about when we're talking about a new you and goals and Christ working through you and all that. So uh, we're excited to present to you uh, Moses today. Um, Talk about New Year and a new you. We're talking about Moses and we're going to talk about goals. And if you're a kid or if you're a parent and you have kids and they make noises today and they get snot all over everything, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We don't care. Just... We're here to relax, to hear God's word and have a good time. Uh, If you're a kid, you're going to love Moses. If you don't know anything about him, you're going to learn some really cool things uh, from me today and also from Janet over the next however long that takes. So uh, what's amazing is how God used Moses to do some fantastic things. All right. So if you've ever had a goal, raise your hand. All right. All right. Let's just do it this way. Everyone put your hand up in the air. Everyone, hand up. Okay. If you've ever had a goal, raise your hand. Okay, good. So so all of you have had a goal. Awesome. See, some people don't like anything about goals. They're like talking about goals. They don't, they're stupid. They're lame. I'm not going to do it. Uh, the thing is, everyone has goals. I have goals. You have goals. Everyone in the Bible had goals, right? If you decide to lift weights this year, Right? That's a goal. If you get married or have children or anything like that, those are goals. If you decide to do nothing and have no goals, that's a goal. So don't think, I don't have goals. You have goals. You just may be terrible at goals. You just may not be any good at goals, but you have goals. We all have goals. Uh, So with goals, the, the gurus that teach us about goals, this is what they say. They say, write out your your top five ambitions or things you love, things you want to do. And then that top thing, that's the big goal. That's that's your long-term goal. That's the big one. And you can't go directly to that and achieve that, right? You have to break them into smaller goals. You have to break them into like quarterly goals and monthly goals and weekly goals and daily goals. And if you do those small daily goals every day, then eventually you'll hit that big goal, right? Sound about right? They're right. They're largely right. More often than not, if you do those things every day, those little things, it'll add up to something really big. Unless you get hit by like a train or an airplane falls on your house and you're dead, then no goals, right? It turns out, kids, we are talking about death, right? Hey, don't tell Janet, all right? So you can hit your goals. Now, some of you probably have goals that you're going to execute on starting this week, maybe Maybe tomorrow, maybe New Year's Day or, or whenever. I don't know what they are. Maybe it's a, a new truck. Maybe you want a new truck, right? Raptor is a good choice, right? A new house, um, a new Xbox One with the new, whatever the cool new, Gavin, what's the cool new game? You don't know, okay. You play 14 hours of Xbox with my son every day, you don't know the new game. All right, all right. Uh, maybe you want uh, a better education. 
I don't know. You know what the goal is. It's your goal. All right? And goals are good. So we'll address those goals. We'll address that in a few minutes. But first, I want to introduce you to Moses. All right? I want to show you a few things about Moses that maybe you know, maybe you don't know. And uh, if you're a kid, remember, you're going to love this guy. He's amazing. It's just incredible what God does through him. You're going to learn about that uh, for the next, I don't know, however many years you guys are going to be in kids' school. So we meet Moses in the second book of the Old Testament. It's called Exodus. Exodus just means exit, right? Exit or or departure. Like So today, kids, after the sermon, if you watch, all the adults will, there will be a mass exodus, right? Out those doors, out into the parking lot. And then home because the Patriots play at one, right? And I'll be with them. You'll see me as I'm going out to the, right? So that's what Exodus means. And what happens in Exodus is the, the Israelites are being oppressed by the Egyptians. And the Pharaoh is oppressing the, the Hebrews, the Jewish people. So Pharaoh means king. That's all that means. And oppression, it just means like a like holding someone back or, or beating them down or bullying them. So this guy's a bully. Oppression isn't really the best word. Let me just read uh, to give you an example of what he's doing. So the Pharaoh's talking to the midwives who deliver the babies, the Jewish, the little Hebrew babies. And he says, when you're helping Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous, they're tough, they're strong. And they give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then the Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile. But let every girl live. So we read about a boy named Moses who was born into this turmoil, into this mess this nonsense and the mother is obviously terrified about what's going to happen to her son so she does what most mothers would do she puts him in a basket and throws him in the river actually it's more like a boat because she waterproofs it and i'm sure they put blankets and padding and try to make it as safe as possible but mothers and fathers can you fathom a situation in your life where you would put your child in a basket and drive down to the Kennebec and throw him in the river. Can you imagine the fear it would take to go to that extreme or the, the faith in God that you would have to have to do that? I don't even let my kids swim without me being there. My daughter's 24. She can't go swimming without me. <laughs> right? I'm paranoid. I'm nervous. It's insanity. So I looked up the Nile, because I'm thinking, you know, it's calm. I've seen the movies. It's calm. It's flat. It's not that bad. So I looked up the Nile, and the first thing that, that jumped off the, the, the website was this picture. That's a snake in the Nile, right? Now, it's not just like a water snake. It's a cobra, 
of course. It has to be a cobra. So if that bites a baby, you got about four minutes probably because baby organs and baby circulatory systems don't do good with that type of venom. And if the cobra doesn't get you, then these guys will. There's, there's every kind. I'm not talking about the fish. I'm right? talking about the, okay. The, uh, there's every type of crocodile and alligator known to humanity in the Nile. When they catch these things and cut them open, there's bones and sticks and license plates and bricks. They eat anything. They eat every, like a shark. They eat everything. But the most dangerous thing in the Nile is this. The cuddly hippo. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. You guys heard that song? You know you don't, kid. You do not want a hippo. They kill any, they destroy and smash anything that comes anywhere near them. Okay? You can Google that. It's insane. And then if none of those, none of these creatures kill you, there's rapids. Alright? Who thought the Nile was like a class five, you know, rapid? That's an ore, by the way. Down at the bottom, there's a little ore sticking up. That's real. That's not, Photoshop. At least I didn't Photoshop it. It was already there in the picture. So the other, so lots of problems inherent with the Nile, and and also if if that isn't bad enough, the people were ordered to throw baby boys into the Nile. So anyone finds this kid in the basket, the order is toss him in the Nile. In the uh, Prince of Egypt, the cartoon, this is a kind of a hieroglyphic on the wall. It's not real. It's a cartoon, but it shows all the babies and all the crocs. Very good movie. If you ever have uh, time, who's seen Prince of Egypt? All right. It's pretty good. Pretty good. It's not all factual, but it's pretty good. So interesting point that you might not have noticed or known is the Pharaoh says, throw the baby boys into the Nile. And the Hebrew lady who has her own boy puts her baby in the Nile. She put him in a basket first, put him in the Nile. She didn't do it to obey the law. She did it to save him. But the Hebrew woman puts the baby in the river, and the woman that pulls the baby out of the river who defies the Pharaoh and who defies the law, the Egyptian woman from the house of the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh's daughter, right? Amen. Praise God. Thank you. I'm glad she did. I just thought it was interesting. Who did what? All right, so Moses. We're talking about Moses, you guys. Moses is awesome. If you're my age or older, this is the Moses you know and love, right? Charles, Charlton Heston, awesome. They need, I, was, I said at the first service, they need to remake this like with today's special effects, and, and they're mad, so I'm not going to do that this time. would be cool, but I'm not going to say it. And then if you're younger, this is the Moses maybe that you know. This is from Prince of Egypt, right? Kind of a cooler, hipper... Moses, and if you are an artsy type person, this is Michelangelo's Moses. Look at his head. Do you see the horns? Weird, huh? Weird. Moses with horns. That's because Jerome translated the Bible, and he and he thought it read when Moses came down from the mountain, he was, uh, you know, where it says he was glowing and he was filled with light and he was so bright. Jerome thought he, it meant he had horns. So Michelangelo put horns on him, right? And every all the paintings from this era show Moses with horns. So odd, right? Strange, strange things. Is that the only pictures we have? Let's. What's what do we have? Oh, that's. How did that get there? That's weird. Jeff, are you here? 
All right, that's my my best buddy, Jeff. I think of Moses when I see Jeff. I love Jeff. All right, so I want to share with you what we know about Moses growing up as an Egyptian. Because we know he grew up as an Egyptian. He grew up in the Pharaoh's household. There's only four verses, it turns out, in the Bible that talk about Moses growing up, okay? And they're very vague. So I'm just going to read them, okay? And I'm going to start with when... The Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses in this basket. She opened it. She saw the baby, and he was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went, got the baby's mother. The Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses. That's it. That's all we have. The next verse says he grew up when he was grown. So we don't have a lot of data in the Bible about Moses' life. We know, though, that he... Isn't it interesting, though, that they, the mom puts the baby... This, she's shrewd. She puts the baby in the river. The sister kind of hangs back as soon as the Pharaoh's daughter sees her. She's like, hey, do you want me to go get a midwife? I happen to know. I'm a, a, someone to nurse the baby. I happen to know someone. And it's, it's Moses' mom. So Moses gets raised by his mom at first. It's amazing. Very shrewd. So we know he was privileged. He grew up in the house of the Pharaoh. There were lots of princes and princesses. They were all over the place. He learned how to read and how to write, how to fight. Okay, he learned all the things that you would expect for uh, Egyptian royalty. He probably didn't do this. This is from Prince of Egypt. I don't. I doubt that he raced the chariot with Ramses on the scaffolding while they were building the Sphinx. I'm not sure, but he probably had some really neat and interesting uh, stories. So Moses had it pretty good, kids. Right? Had it pretty good. He's royalty. Uh, I was going to say he had it pretty good, kind of like Donald Trump's son, but I don't want to mention that because that's going to get that'll get ugly pretty quick. So he's got it made, and then we read this. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, and he looks around this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian, hid him in the sand. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, Who are you? Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, What I did must have become known. And when the Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the Pharaoh, and he went to live in Midian. This is when everything changed for Moses. This is when everything in his life changed. This is when he took a, a hard right. Everything changed. Now, kids, up here, kids, kids, still doing a sermon. Kids. You're going to learn about Moses. You're going to learn lots of details from beginning to end. You're going to learn what God accomplished through him. So I'm going to stop here. But I want to highlight a few things, uh, a few accomplishments, some things God did through him so here we go. He was born a slave, had no rights. Uh, technically, by rights, he should have been tossed in a river and drowned. 
but he survived. Multiple attempts on his life by the Pharaoh, one when he was a baby, and then more later as an adult. If you ever had people trying to kill you, it's not cool, like in the movies, right? The slave becomes royalty, and then he becomes a murderer, Moses the murderer. He survived a 300-mile journey through the desert twice, two times. That's pretty hard to do, either on foot or on camel or however he did it, right? There weren't cars back then. For us, it's a day trip. For him, this is weeks, months. He was a prophet of God. He talked to God, and God talked back. He defeated the most powerful ruler at the time. He led a whole nation of people to freedom. He defeated the most powerful army in the world at the time, and he parted the Red Sea and a bunch of miracles like that. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing what God did through this man. Let me let the, I'm just going to let the Bible kind of elaborate on that a bit. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. And by faith, the people, of, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. So pretty much no one can ever say, you know, they've done the things that Moses did. He was incredibly unique, incredibly blessed. He was one of a kind. So if anyone ever says to you, I'm kind of like a modern-day Moses, just say, no, you're not. You're not. Not even close. All right, kids, now you're probably thinking, how long is he going to, like, drone on and on about Moses? When are the, when's the goal stuff coming? When's the cool stuff? So we're here. We're at the goal part now. So Moses had goals. Everyone in the Bible had goals. Remember that. But Moses had goals. Uh, he refused to be known as the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. That's a goal. He chose to be mistreated. It's a goal. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value. That's a goal. He left Egypt. Goal. He kept the Passover goal. He, he freed the people goal. So I guess, I guess if you really think about it, the goals of Moses were less about himself and more about what God wanted, right? More about what God wanted. So at this time, and this applies to everybody, not just the kids, I'm going to blow up your current goals, all right, and like I told the first service, if you're practicing your sermon in the airport, don't say that out loud. Like if you're if you're walking around, I'm going to blow up your goals. I'm going to blow up your goals, right? Because bad things will happen. This is what Jesus said. Remember, I'm going to blow up your goals here. This is what Jesus said. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? 
See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? or What kind of truck should I buy or how much can I bench press? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Now, don't, please don't leave and say that Pastor Ben said if you, if you uh, seek God first that you have a Dodge uh, Ford Raptor. Not saying that. But God knows what you need. Here's my challenge for all of us. For 2019, for the new year, for the new you, instead of doing the same old thing, diet and exercise and whatever, ask what God wants to do through you in 2019. Put that at the top of your list and or even make that the only thing on your list. Because God says when you do that, all these other things will be added to you. So if you believe in God and you believe the Bible, then set goals because goals are good. Set goals, but put God first. If you want to lose weight or, or exercise more or help people, good. Seek God first. And if you have an addiction or if you have an anger issue or you have huge problems, okay, seek God first. First, if you don't believe, seek God first. If you're a new believer, or if you're lost and you have no idea what to do next, okay, seek God first. All of our, all of our Bible heroes sought God first. They put God first. They all had goals. They all put God first. They were beloved by God for doing that. That's the challenge for all of us. So what if you did that this new year? What if you said, I'm going to, I'm going to seek God first. I'm going to put that first above everything else. That's going to be my starting point today, right after the Patriots game. I'm going to put God first. Okay. What if your goal in 2019 is to find out what God wants to do through you? And that's first place. And if you're a kid and you're dozing off, you better not be my son. <laughs> you're not off the hook. You're part of this too. And if you're 100 years old and you think you get off the hook, you're not off the hook. Everyone is expected to put God first. Everyone listening online, all eight of you, put God first. So what, what if you really did that? What if you really and truly put God first and you sought him first? Would it make a difference? Would it make a difference? Maybe. Probably. The Bible says yes. Seems to have worked out pretty well for Moses and all the other heroes. 
I think they're probably glad they put God first. Paul, I hate to do this. Can I have you come up and pray for us at the end here? That'll wake you. Nothing will wake you up like someone calling your name. He wasn't asleep. But nothing will get your attention, right? If someone says your name, you're like, was that my name? Oh, I hope that wasn't my name. All right, go ahead and grab your phones. You're allowed to do it. Sam and Zoe, you can grab your phones. I want you to take a picture of this or text this to yourself. And if you happen to get me in your picture, let me turn. Wait. How's that? When you get home, print this out and post it somewhere that you can see it every day. And then after that, work on your goals and put your list together. And goals are good. Keep your goals. But put this first. Put this at the very beginning. Okay, put God first. We're going to be praying for you all year. Then at the end of the year, come and see me and let me know what God did through you. You're going to do great. And God's going to do amazing things through you if you let him. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Dear Lord, gracious Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you that we have uh, the opportunity to come before you today. I thank you for the worship time that we had today and how it focused on you, on your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. And uh, along with Ben's message today, the focus is uh, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, Lord, I just pray that uh, as the new year begins, that we would focus on that, that we would uh, decide to follow Christ first and and, uh, put him first in our lives, in our families, in our jobs, and to see what uh, God can do through us. We just thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.